Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Right. Slow the out. Go kill it. Kill it. Kill the owner. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm your host, Keith Smith, and we are back at you with another off-season review. This time it is the Boston Celtics, my uh, hometown team from where where I grew up. I'm closing in on more years in Orlando than I spent in Boston, which is uh, quite frankly makes me a little bit sad. Um, you know, I, uh, I'll always consider myself to be be from Massachusetts and from the Boston area. So you know, I'm going to hang on to that as long as I can until they take that away fully. Even though I went back there this summer, and they made fun of me that most of my Boston accent is gone. They sound like said I sound like a Southerner now, which is probably not a good thing. Um, I am joined, as always, by my co-host Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this morning? Ah, uh, doing great. All right, and then we are joined for this episode by our producer Connor L. Con, how are you doing? I'm doing great as well. Keith. Uh, great. And uh, what we're doing here is if you listen to our last show, the Chicago Bulls episode, we stepped out of order a little bit because we wanted to make sure we got Khan in. Khan is going to be going out of town and do some overseas traveling uh, coming up here. So we're, we're cramming a bunch of recordings into one day. So we are recording this on Sunday, July 29th. So if there's any transactions that happen after uh, after this morning, it, we're not going to talk about them here, but I promise we will get to them on a future show show um as we, we we do we like to talk about every single transaction in the league so uh so again sunday july 29th that's when we're recording this and that's when we are locking into here for the celtics offseason review and offseason wise for the celtics not a whole heck of a lot to talk about it was a kind of a quiet summer but a little bit by design boston uh Big big summer last year as they you know signed Gordon Hayward and uh, moved to all these other pieces and parts. They only returned four players from the 2017 team to the uh, 2018 team. So that was a you know big big summer change this year. A lot less so. So we're gonna go ahead and run it down for you here, and then we'll spend some time with about ten questions on the Celtics as we get to to the end of it that relate to the roster and then kind of looking forward into to the next season. So Boston additions for, uh, as of right now, Rodney Purvis was brought in in a trade. The Celtics, he is fully non-guaranteed. The Celtics do still have him on the roster. They may bring him to training camp. Remains to be seen what the plan is there. They traded him for Abdel Nader as Boston moved out some guaranteed money after it was previously mentioned that they were going to waive Nader. They uh, ended up trading him instead to Oklahoma City. Rodney Purvis is this 
year's Luke Widnauer. He's just going to keep getting traded all over the league until somebody eventually waves him, apparently. And then Brad Wanamaker, they brought him over. This is this year's kind of European redemption project. Shane Larkin last year, Daniel Tice last year. Now they're bringing Brad Wanamaker. This is a guy who's been kind of on the fringes of coming back to the NBA. And then now he's actually coming back and into the league. At the draft, they brought in Robert Williams III. He was their lone draft pick this season. And then Walt Lemon Jr. is currently signed to one of the team's two two-way contract slots. So so not a whole lot of additions to the roster for the Celtics, but those, those are it, those four players right now. Four players in, four players go out. Jonathan Gibson. Gibson is a guy who uh, came in kind of late. He's been playing overseas. Really good uh, scoring guard and filled it up in China at a high level. Had you know one really nice game with the Celtics. He's a guy, he could come back as a camp shot, but he's probably more likely to go overseas and make a big deal over there. Guy who did go back overseas um, after having a nice season is Shane Larkin. Larkin got kind of squeezed this year with the... The cap uh, situation. Teams just didn't have a lot of money to spend. He had the opportunity to make a little more money overseas, so he headed back over to uh, to Turkey with um, Khan. Keep me honest. Is it Andalu Efes? Is that how you say it? Yep, that's good. All right, look at that. Cl- close enough, right? I probably butchered yep. it. In, you know, no, you'll no, hear no, about no. it in Turkey. They'll be like, "Your co-host is." <laughs> can't speak Turkish. Um, But anyway, and then Greg Monroe, who was a uh, addition in the bio market last year, doesn't look like he'll be back in Boston. Then Abdel Nader, who we mentioned earlier, he was going to be traded and now is um, he's going to be waived rather at the cost of $450,000 and instead Boston traded him for Purvis's non-guaranteed deal. So, So that's where we stand right now today for the Celtics as far as transactions go. So now let's start breaking down. 2018 draft, they added Robert Williams III out of Texas A&M. This guy fell in the draft. He's a guy a lot of people thought you know, might be a, a late round, late lottery guy, and instead he falls all the way to the late first round. And one of the reasons he fell was maturity issues. And one of the things that cropped up immediately was he missed his introductory press conference because he overslept. And then within a few days after that, he missed his flight to the team's summer league practice. So now uh, Robert Williams III has a handler who goes with him everywhere he goes uh, to make sure he goes. And then in addition, in summer league, he lost his wallet two or three times or something like that. So it's uh, one of the quotes someone from the Celtics told me was, we've had a lot of... um, a lot of kids do really dumb stuff. It's just Boston's track record recently has been drafting really mature kids. So they haven't had one of these guys. So he stands out as kind of a you know a dumb 20-year-old, a little bit more than some of the other guys they've had, had recently. So, Pete, what are your thoughts on Williams for the Celtics as far as a, uh, you know, just kind of an upside big man for them? Well, he's a high-energy guy. Um, fantastic motor on the floor. You know, I kind of discount the – the immaturity issues because if anybody's going to get to him, it's Brad Stevens, um, you know, and, and the, you know, Boston coaching staff. So I don't worry about that as much. Um, very good rebounder, wildly athletic. Um, the question mark is his offensive game. Um, how much is that going to be able to grow? But at the 27th pick, I mean, you, this is the kind of guy you take a shot on. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's a, you know, I think this year it's all about learning to play professional basketball and, Go from there, and Con. I know you're not a super huge college and draft guy, but thoughts on Williams coming into the Celtics? Yeah, no, I mean Williams. I think for a big man in the NBA, there's two like prototypical types of big men that 
could be a successful team that make a successful team one is the vertical spacing type guys like capella or i mean gobert has the length but just athletic can get up and switch out or a horford type which can spread out the floor can also switch out switching out is very crucial and i think williams is that guy right like he he's like that capella type guy um mm-hmm. if he hits He's going to be huge for them. I mean, people had him in the. Some people had him in the top ten. Some people like him as the best big, just off pure talent I've, of people I've talked to. Um, so if he gets his mind right, and if the Celtics can like shape him up, that's just another really high upside guy. And they still have the Kings pick next year. They have the Grizzlies pick. They have the Clippers. They have a lot of picks that they can, if they want to keep hit on. If they want to trade, they could trade. Um, and they already have a lot of young talent, so I think Williams was a great gamble for them. And if he doesn't work, then that's really on him because he's in a great situation. Yeah, you know, I it, as far as expectations for this year for Williams, I have zero other than he works hard and he looks good in Maine with the NBA GL team. He's just not going to be with the Celtics. He's you know they they've got more than enough big depth. Put it this way: if he's playing really big minutes, it's either a great sign for the Celtics because it means he's amazing and he's better than anybody thought he would be this year, or it's a really bad sign that injuries hit again and they all hit in the front court and they're you know really behind the eight ball as far as their front court rotation goes. I would be shocked if he plays many, if any, meaningful minutes in the NBA this year. I think it's going to be just a development year for him, and that's probably fine. That's probably where he needs to be. So, so But, you know, I know a lot of people really like the pick and they like the upside of it, so we'll ultimately see where that one lands out as we get into – uh, this year, and then probably more of two, three years down the line is when we'll really have a better handle on what Robert Williams is going to be. Brad Wanamaker, so this is a is a guy's coming coming from overseas. He's kind of coming from your neck of the woods over there, Con, where you're headed in just a little bit. So he's coming from uh, Fener Fenerbahce, right? Is that how you say it? Something close yeah, to that. that. I mean, people people understand who you're talking <laughs> All about. All right, good, good, yeah. <laughs> and then he played for uh, Darusa Faka the year before that. Um, so he is, uh, you know, you know well-versed in the, the Turkish League and then in EuroLeague, uh, playing there. Previous before that, he played in Germany and Italy and France. Um, you know, so this is a guy, he's been overseas his entire professional career since he came out of Pitt, other than one short summer, summer league stint a few years back. So, so, but Wanamaker's a guy, he, he continually got mentioned when you'd say, you know, who's somebody who could make the leap to the NBA. He kind of gets brought up a lot. You know, he's a, a bigger guard. He's about, um, six, five, six, four, six, five or so. Yeah. He's, um, you know, but he's got good, good bulk. To him, he, you know, swing between the two guard spots, uh, just, you know, like a lot of these European guards can do, um, you know, do some ball handling and passing as well as some uh, playing on the ball. He was a pretty good player at Pittsburgh, you know, had a, you know, really kind of a standout career his last couple of seasons, you know, 19 points per game as a junior and then over 21 points per game as a senior, so... You know, this is somebody that Boston's looking at bringing in really to kind of fill that role Shane Larkin played for them last year. They've got enough kind of guard options, and I think they wanted to get a little more size in that um, breaking case of emergency uh, kind of category. So, so Khan, I know you know, you you know, be, be with the Turkish background you have, you, you have any experience with Wanamaker or any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, Turkish League Finals MVP last year, um, Brad Wanamaker. Yeah, he... I mean, he has great vision. I think he makes the right passes. He's 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 really athletic. Um, can get to his spots and can score. I think he's a great third point guard. 
um, for Boston. And like you said, like Shane Larkin filled that role. If, if Kyrie gets hurt or if they're just resting him, if Rozier or whatever, um, he can really slide into that role. And just the pattern I noticed, like, I feel like Boston really loves taking um, shots on guards, like with their two ways too. Yeah. They got Lemon, uh, uh, Walt Lemon, um, and... Yeah, I think he, he can really step in and, and make impact on regular season games uh, that they need to rely on their depth um, a bit more. Uh, I don't know how much playoff time he's going to get, but he's played in big games over in Europe, so I don't think he's going to shy away from that moment either. No, yeah, and, and you, you mentioned it. It's it's really kind of the third um, point guard role is what's there for him. I could even say maybe even the fourth because you've got Kyrie, is he's the starter. And then you've got Terry Rozier who started you know, most of the second half of the year in the entire playoffs, and then Marcus Smart as well. And then you've got really behind them. Now, Rozier and Smart are both going to play. They're, they're just kind of guards in the Boston system. But then Wanamaker is that guy who'll he'll be there. And I think I think what they worried about with Shane Larkin was just that size. You know, he, he was a guy you could pick on a little bit. He was, a, you know, out on the floor because he's only about 5'11 or so. And now you've got, you got Wanamaker in there, and he's not going to give give up anything as far as size-wise goes uh, for, for the Celtics. He's, you know, an okay shooter, pretty, pretty good passer. You mentioned has good vision and, you know, can, can move the ball pretty well because one of the things you look at, I think, with – with European numbers, we kind of cautioned this on the last show, is if you look at the assist numbers and they're down in the four, you know, mid three to four to five to six range, that's actually really, really good because guys don't, one guy doesn't hold the ball a lot and then pile up assists. There's no lot of Rajon Rondos playing over in Europe. The, the ball moves a lot more. So, Pete, what are your thoughts on what Wanamaker will bring the Celtics? Well, I like it from the standpoint that he played under David Blatt, who, you know, had kind of a mixed review as an NBA coach, but he's still coaching the NBA, high level European coach. Um, with Wanamaker, he's he's best with the ball in his hands, um, and I think that fits in. You know, as a, obviously extra ball handler for for Boston, able to use his size and and like you mentioned, it's kind of the opposite of of what they had in in Larkin because he can use that size to get in the lane. Obviously, he's a very good scorer at the rim, but then he can use that size to kind of get in the teeth of the defense and. And make a quality pass to a big or a, or a, um, you know, one of the elite wings that the, uh, Celtics have. And he can shoot the three ball. He kind of likes to step back more shooting than he does catch and shoot it. Um, so I think if there is a deficiency that he'll work on, it is that catch and shoot three, um, in the NBA, but he can, you know, pretty much do everything all around. So solid, uh, third point guard. If something does happen to, to Kyrie, he misses a game or two you know, here or there, then he can kind of bump in, you know, easily into that backup role. Yeah, and, and, you know, if track record is anything, Kyrie will miss a game or two just, you know, with some kind of nick, nicked up, you know, bumps and bruises here and there. But also Boston has been pretty clear that they're going to be actively trying to rest and conserve guys as the season goes along. So it'll be interesting to see if that means, you know, whether they, they do that through keeping minutes really low per game or if guys just get full full on nights off. I think it's probably going to be a bit of a mixture of the two. Um, so, but we'll, we'll see, you know, where that one goes. All right. Next transaction. This one was really important to the Boston fans. They've re-signed Aaron Baines. Um, the, the all of Australia, um, which I don't know if that joke has made it all the way around the, the NBA sphere, but that's uh, what 
that Tommy Heinsohn mentioned in a preseason game of, or an early regular season game. I saw saw Baines coming out of the shower. Boy, that's all of Australia right there. And that was uh, that is now stuck. So Aaron Baines is all of Australia, and he was a uh, you know he was really really good for the Celtics though. Um, he was probably Pete. You're the Sixers guy here. He was huge in Boston's first round or second round uh, series win over the Sixers. He really, you know, defends uh, Joel Embiid pretty well, and that's uh, you know, if, if you, the NBA has gone away from having one guy on rosters to to defend one other guy, but Embiid's if you're going to do that for anybody, Embiid's kind of a guy you want to have that for. Baines did a did a really nice job on him in the playoffs last year. Yeah, absolutely, and then his rebounding prowess is is you know key. And looking at the offensive side of the ball, what really shocked me and. And, you know, obviously being a, a Philly guy, I kind of have that, you know, uh, disdain when we go against <laughs> Boston. But uh, Baines really surprised me shooting the three ball um, as effective as he did. And, and I think that's something that, you know, he can really key on, um, you know, here and there. The corner three, you know, knock that down. It really kind of gives Boston a different dynamic. And then he doesn't command the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, just plays his role on, on defense and, and gets some rebounds and, you know, he doesn't have to have a ton of minutes either. So it works no, well he, resigning him. Yeah, and he's he's a really good screen setter and the fact that he, you know, added that range to the jump shot. It's something, you know, when you watch the Celtics night in and night out like I do, you saw it coming and developing and coming and coming and coming. And then it was finally right at the end of the year and into the playoffs when you saw him, you know, it really became a weapon as part of his game. And against a guy like Embiid, you want to get him out of the paint. You know, and force him to get out there on the perimeter where he's a little less comf- comfortable uh, getting getting after guys and locking them up out there. So, you know, big, big re-signing there. He, uh, you know, what interesting, too, what he did in terms of the structure of his contract. And this is what I think might be interested to our list or interesting to our listeners is Baines had not, the Celtics only had non-bird rights on it because he signed a one-year deal for the room exception. So that meant the max they could pay him without dipping into their um, other exceptions was above 5.2 million or so. Baines could have said, "No, I want a little bit more than that. Go into the non-taxpayer exception and pay me." Well, the Celtics they, they don't want to do that, right? They they were trying to conserve that exception. It's also not expose themselves to the hard cap and those kind of things. And by all accounts, what I understood right after it was signed is I reached out to a bunch of people on both sides, and the exact quote I got was, "To call it a negotiation is a joke." Celtics said, do you want to come back? Baines said, yes. Celtics said, can you take a little bit more than what you could have, what we would give you on the uh, part of the taxpayer exception, just a little less than that, and then we'll give you a second-year player option? Yeah, sure, whatever works, that's fine. And that was it. And it was done. You know, one of the easiest contract negotiations you're probably ever going to hear about. You know, and here's where he is. I think it's for him. He's found a home here. He's very tight with several of his teammates as well, become you know, good friends with a bunch of guys on the squad. They they really get along. The Celtics team is very close. Um, these guys are very connected with each other. So I know they're thrilled to have him him back in Boston, and he'll be a big part of things going forward. All right, then the next is Kadeem Allen. He was waived from his two-way contract. So, you know, uh, Kadeem Allen's a guy, he, he, you know, just didn't play. Played, you know, late in the year, actually got a couple starts when Kyrie Irving was out and then Terry Rozier drove to the ankle. Allen got in there and played some minutes, but he just, 
I don't know if he's an NBA player or not. He caught on with the Knicks, and we'll see. He just he, he doesn't do anything well enough um, offensively, and he's not good enough defensively to make a big difference. So you know maybe he can eventually develop into being a backup level point guard. So I struggle to see his fit with the Knicks. They've got a lot of other point guards there. So you know, we'll and their see. two two ways are filled too. So I don't really yeah. know where that's gonna come. Yeah, yeah, I would be I would be stunned. If Kadeem Allen makes makes the Knicks out of out of training camp, it's just probably not going to happen um, for him there. But then, you know, and then you know, so probably you're looking at another G League season for him and and more development as we go. And then they re-signed Marcus Smart to a contract. We're, we'll discuss this in a couple minutes because there is a uh, that's one of our ten questions we're going to ask about the Celtics. So Smart re-signed, you know, to to a deal as a restricted free agent. It dragged on a little longer than. You know, people were comfortable with it. it was starting to make people nervous, but but they got him re-signed, and for this year, Smart will play for uh, just under twelve million, about eleven point six or seven million or so, um, there for Marcus Smart with the Celtics, and because of that, that pushed him over the tax. So that necessitated the next move, which was trading Abdel Nader and a little bit of cash to Rod for to the Oklahoma City Thunder for. Rodney Purvis, um, who we mentioned before, fully non-guaranteed deal. So, Con, I want to go to you. Do you think Nader's an NBA player, or is he not? Man, Nader's my boy. We went to my <laughs> high school, had great time. I didn't know that. To, took oh, us home. man. To, yeah. <laughs> so I was sad to see him go, leave, leave Boston. I'm here, too. So, um, anyway, overall, I mean... I think he could be an end of the bench guy. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm also hoping that he can be that more than um, maybe I think that he can. Uh, he plays the wing six six like shooting guard. I mean, he got a lot of garbage time minutes with the Celtics. I don't know if he can get much more than that from another team. Um, but I'm crossing my fingers. That's my guy. Uh, hopefully, he he steps up. Um, I, he got traded to Detroit, right? If I'm Oh, uh, OKC. Call that OKC. Sorry, sorry. OKC. Yeah. So they they have yeah. a lot of people there. So I don't know if he's going to get many uh, a lot of minutes. They're probably going to get waived. We'll see. Yeah, and by all reports, the Celtics sent enough cash in the trade to cover the what Nader will count because it's he counts for even more than he counts against the cap because of his because they're so far over the tax. I, so. I just don't see it with with Loawu and then you know coming in because they're going to want to develop him. They've got Ferguson from last year. Yep. Um, Amadou Diallo this year. And then Diallo, the the draft pick. So I just, I don't know. Do you you remember remember what I called guys like Nader in the Hawks show, Pete? Do you remember what I said? Uh, 4A guys. They're they're uh, like 4A guys in in baseball. They're far too good for the minors and they dominate, but then they're just not quite good enough to to be in the NBA. And that's where I feel like Nader's going to going to land you know with that so and then uh next move celtics signed walt lemon jr to a two-way he played briefly for the new orleans pelicans i believe on two 10-day contracts last year pete i know you you've seen him in um, a little bit in the g league as have i he can really score the ball yeah he can he's not for the way he scores the ball you would think he shoots a lot of threes but he really doesn't no he doesn't um, yeah and so his ability is the mid-range get to the rim um, he did well, um, you know, playing overseas uh, in Hungary is where he kind of really honed his skills. I just don't know. He's on a two-way. I don't know that there's going to be any minutes really to bring him up. Obviously, he'll get, you know, small opportunities here and there. But he's a guy that I could see that two-way spot maybe fluctuating to someone else. 
um, you know, as the season moves on. I just don't know that that Lemon's really a guy that that's going to be an NBA player. I think his his bread and butter is going to be overseas long term. Yeah, he you know last year in the G League, forty games with the Fort Wayne Madans, twenty two points per game. Uh, last yeah. year, you know, shot almost 50% from the field, but you're right. I mean, only took three three-pointers a game, didn't uh, do too much, um, you know, really there. So it's, uh, you know, really interesting, you know, to see where, you know, he his fit is long-term. But he did also in, in the G League six assists per game, which I think is pretty good because he's, he's about 6'3 or so. So, Con, you said it, Celtics love guards. He, you know, he, he uh, absolutely roasted uh Last year's Celtics to a Kadeem Allen when they played the Clubs. Yeah. 40 <laughs> yeah, points. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is, you know, it's funny. Those are the things that open teams' eyes. Sometimes they, they catch, you know, these things. It's, we all laugh about, you know, the guy, you know, puts up 40 points in the G League or 60 points over in China. But you heard about it. So it's something where it's like, well, maybe we should look into this a little more. So you're right, Kanye. Yeah, definitely did that and then he you know he had a nice summer league for the pelicans this year too you know 13.6 points and a little over six assists a game in the summer league so it's uh, one of those things where i was a little surprised that i thought the pelicans would grab him because they could use another guard um yeah, yeah so i thought yeah. they would keep him but you know instead he goes to boston where the, the last thing they need is another guard so <laughs> so we'll uh we'll, they need we'll see yeah, do the celtics try. need anything they're so deep <laughs> everywhere you know what, Kanye, you're stepping right on the question we're going to ask in just a minute here. Um, but no, yeah, you're you're right. They're, they've definitely got some depth. Uh, and then the last transaction so far to date, they re-signed Jabari Bird, which this is, you know, has the, the, the Boston fans all in a tither. NBA fans across the league as a whole love nothing more than the, like, 14th and 15th man on a roster. All Every, every single one of them on every team. Their fans believe all they need is 20 minutes a game, and they could win six man of the year, <laughs> right? And that's yeah. where, uh, yeah, that's where the um, Celtics fans are. Jabari Bird, they love this kid. Um, you know, he had a couple nice games late in the year when he was uh, kind of in call up mode, um, and they signed him to a two year, fully uh, fully guaranteed first year deal. Looks like you know probably a partial on that second year. We're still waiting to see all the details come out with that and you know another guy coming off a two-way contract getting a getting a standard nba deal in the second year which is really good to see uh for jabari bird had a great summer league he you know really you know dominated and then got, got a little banged up but i think that was more of a yeah there's nothing left for you to show here you're you're done um because at that point it looked pretty clear boston was going to retain him and bring him in so all right that that's it though that's all the transactions Celtics like we said they didn't do much because they did a lot the previous year so it was more about kind of re-signing a couple key guys and the moves around the edges so what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break to so you can hear from our sponsors then we'll get into it with questions about the Boston Celtics and where we go from here again this is the NBA front office show we are part of the almighty baller network this podcast is brought to you by ADT when it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. 
you can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go, in the car, or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined today by my co-host, Pete Toll, and our producer, Connor Rell. And we are now going to get into questions about the Boston Celtics going forward. This one's probably not going to be as much about the roster, because as we just covered in the first uh, 20 minutes or so of the show, they didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So this is going to be more questions about this upcoming season and things that they should have done and could have done and expectations. So let's start it out with the standard question we're going to ask for every single team. And, uh, Con, I'll go to you first. What do you think the Celtics' starting five will be on opening night, assuming everyone is healthy and ready to go? Well, the Celtics' starting five is probably my favorite starting five in the league. <laughs> um, with with Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Hayward. And honestly, it's two through four for all three of those wings. and And then Horford as well. Um, I just think this fills in exactly what you need at every position um, with Horford being the switchable, stretchy, passing, do-it-all big. You got your three uh, like six, eight, six, nine wings who can all defend and score and pass and handle. And then you got Kyrie, the elite ball handling scorer. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm going to try to go to as many games as I can this year. Yeah, so everyone's clear. Khan lives in Boston now, so he's saying all these nice things, so when he's walking the streets and, and you know, our, our vast, massive fan base recognizes him, they can be like, hey, you do some nice things about the Celtics. So, um, alright, Pete, what are your, what's your thoughts on the Celtics starting five uh, entering the season? It's t- it was tough for me to nail down because as much as I want to say that I think it's going to be, um, you know, Tatum in the in the lineup to start the season. Somehow I think they may go with Baines to start with and bring Tatum off the bench. Um, I could see that happening. I don't think it'll be a long term. I think it's based on matchups. Um, you know, if a team goes small, obviously they go Tatum. If a team goes, you know, big and and you know has you know the size and, and depth there, I think that Baines may start. You know. It's hard for me to to really nail that down. As like I said, as much as I want Tatum in the lineup, I think he might be that de facto scorer, you know, as a six man because you know they they're going to need somebody you know big inside against those big guys. The only way that happens is if they play Philly on opening night. Other than that, it's going to be Horford, Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and Irving. Um, that's the lineup they actually started opening night with. Now, we only saw it for five minutes because Hayward went down. Um, you know, and a lot of people I know are, uh, you know, kind of forgetful of that almost because I think people tend to think Tatum slid in there after Hayward got well, hurt. And I was injured. with you last year. Morris you know, was I, injured, I would, though, right? Yeah, Morris was hurt. Morris yeah. was out, too. But they, but they had no intentions of him being a starter. Oh, they, really? Okay. They intended... Yeah, they intended from day one that really day one of camp when they fully saw like holy crap, Tatum's is this good already? It was that was what it was going to be. So it's um, I and I think I think they'll stick with that. Now where I think you're going to have some play in here is I don't think they're going to push any of these guys to play much more than Tatum and Brown different because they're young enough. But I think Horford, Hayward, and Kyrie 
it might only be 70 games that these guys play. They, they may kind of liberally sit them, you know, here and there. Um, Hayward's obviously coming back from the from the injury. So is Kyrie. Horford's had his own injuries uh, throughout throughout the years, and especially in his time in Boston. So, you know, I think there's going to be opportunity for Baines to start. Maybe Morris gets in there. Maybe smarter Rozier on occasion starts. But I think, you know, opening night, I think they're going to run back that same same group. And then Khan kind of mentioned the depth. Behind them, really, they've got another full five-man team that could probably be at least somewhat okay. Because you've got Rozier and Smart in the backcourt, Morris, Baines, and Tice up front. And then and that's not even to mention Ojale and Wanamaker, and then everybody's favorite, Yabusele. And Jabari Bird, if he played enough minutes, would win six-man of the year. So there's just, you know, those are... That, that is as deep a roster as you get. And we haven't even talked about Williams. This is why I don't think Williams plays at all um, for this team. So it's, uh, you know, they've definitely got that opportunity where they can do some different things and really, um, you know, sit guys when they need to. They're, they're not going to, um, you know, push guys very hard at all, both in games. I would be surprised if anybody on the Celtics averages much over 30 minutes per game this coming season. I think you're going to see them really take a long range approach. That might mean they lose a couple games here and there, but, but we'll see. They're not going to worry about that too much. So, so we just mentioned all that depth. So Pete, Pete, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Should they view some of that depth? Plus Khan mentioned all the picks that they have earlier in the show still, and they've got a Kings pick and a Grizzlies pick and a Clippers pick plus all their own first rounders. Should they have put together the big package and gone and got Kawhi Leonard? I don't think so because I I like the upside of, of having essentially you can kind of look at um, Gordon Hayward as a, as a free agent all over again because he only did play the five minutes. So you're kind of getting a, a key guy there, um, you know, this season. Hopefully stays fully healthy throughout the year. You've got the emergence of Jason Tatum and um, Brown on, on the perimeter. So – I, I just I wouldn't gamble any of those guys, of course, for Kawhi Leonard. And then the picks, you could end up moving those around later for something different because there was no guarantee that Kawhi was going to be more than a rental for Boston, and I just don't take that chance. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you on that one. I think that's, uh, it, you know, it's been now reported, and Zach Lowe had it on his podcast and several others, that they offered really any number of picks for Kawhi Leonard. But they took those top five guys right off the table and said not happening. There's a lot of belief that part of what took so long for them to re-sign Marcus Smart was maybe using him as salary matching in a sign-in trade to go get Leonard. So that's you know you know interesting. And for for what it's worth too is I believe when you're really close you go for it and do it. But I don't think Kawhi puts them that much closer that you need to give up you know all the young kids who are still cost controlled for several years. To get there, what about you, Con? What are your thoughts on should they have gone and gotten Kawhi? Um, well, like you said, I don't think they. I don't know if I give up any of those three wings, their starters, um, for for Kawhi, just because of the uncertainty. And the Spurs weren't going to do it unless they got a play, a win now player. Um, and the the Boston package might be the best package if you're considering long term. If those all those picks were available. But no, I, th- I think that Boston um, was was fine with... They're going to be fine not getting Kawhi. I mean, Hayward's coming back, Tatum, Brown. I don't know if I trade any of those straight up just because of all the crazy stuff that's happened with Kawhi and the uncertainty. So 
and they probably wanted more than just a straight up. Um, but in the end, they did do DeRozan for Kawhi basically straight up. They gave in Danny Green too, so maybe they would have. Uh, I I think the Boston Boston Celtics did the right move though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that one. That's one. It'll be interesting. That'll be debated all the way up until you know we really see Boston and Toronto play against each other. And if, you know, if Kawhi, Kawhi has a Boston, huge though, game. And, yeah, if, if yep. Kawhi beats Boston, that's going to change this narrative quite a bit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, big time. Yeah, and he only needs to beat him once in the regular season for people to be like, "Told you we should have done it." Yeah. You know, he comes out and you know locks down Jason Tatum, holds him to two points, and scores twenty five of his own. And people are like, "Why did we not trade you know for this guy?" So, you know, it's just you know it kind of comes with the territory. All right, uh, I said we would talk about it before. So Marcus Smart. His uh, new contract, so just to, to mention what he gets paid this year, just under $12 million, but it's a four-year deal for $52 million. Uh, Con, let's start with you. Is this a good deal for the Celtics? Yeah, I think that one thing that went into this deal that benefited Marcus Smart is the need of the Celtics for a mid-level contract, like between $20 million and like $5 million, because every one of their players is in that mold. And the Celtics obviously are always in play for a major deal. It just makes it so much harder to go for a player um, if you don't have contracts to make the money work. And they don't want to give up Kyrie or Horford for that matter. And teams might not want Horford because he's not a young star. He's kind of on the wrong side of 30 um, aging and stuff. So Marcus Smart is that ideal piece that will, will definitely help your team. He's on a $11 million contract, and if you want to pair like one other young guy and then a pick, then you're already at the money that you need to be. Where last year when you tried to make trades, it's you need to get at least three or four guys just to make the money work. So I think that's what I think it's a good deal just based off that, and Smart got what he wanted. So it, it worked out for both sides. Yeah, no, and just to kind of, since I'm looking at it right here, they had, prior to re-signing Marcus Smart, they had Kyrie Irving at $20 million, Al Horford at twenty, almost $29 million, and Gordon Hayward at 31.2. And then the next closest to those three was Jason Tatum at $6.7 million. So there was nothing in that mid-range and that's exactly what you hit on you need to have those deals kind of in the middle that you can use because otherwise what you said is they would have had to cobble together so many other guys now you're really eating away at that depth that you've built up so pete for for what smart gives the celtics and it can be really hard to quantify because he's he, he's you know an awful shooter he's a you know good but not great playmaker but you know he is clearly if not the best defensive guard in the league, he's right near the top of that list. He is, you know, amazing that he can really switch anybody one through four and even, you know, hold his own with some of the smaller fives in the league. Do you, how, how do you feel about this contract just overall? $52 million total for Smart over four years. Is that, you know, is that the right number? Is that the reasonable number? Should it have been less, more? But what are your thoughts? I think it's reasonable because you play, you know, you're paying for the heart and hustle that he that he brings to your team. You know, he's the backbone on defense, and like you said, he can guard one through four. And if he can show anything as far as knocking down a three point shot, then I'll take it. You know, all day. So yeah, I'm I'm all in. It was interesting. I don't know how much, you know, because I'm I'm not glued in, um, you know, as as far as like. You know, agents go and all that kind of talk. I don't, it was interesting that he kind of talked to 
Sacramento and Brooklyn and things like that. I don't know how far talks got as far as, you know, searching for a deal. But uh, I really think he's invaluable for this Boston team. So I was really happy to see that that he um, is back back there as the you know backup two guard can play some point as well. So yeah, you know, and I think what you're going to see coming off the Celtics bench this year is he's going to function more as the primary ball handler with Rogier playing off of him when they're in the lineup together because Rogier is. He's a really good scorer, but he's still not a great playmaker for others. And Smart has really developed into that. He's going to play a lot with Baines and Tice in bench units, and he'll be able to find those guys on lobs at the rim. He's probably the best lob passer on the team, which is not saying much because I'm probably the second best lob passer on the team. Um, that's, you know, every time they threw one, you were worried someone was going to get hurt last year just because they tend to throw, you know, five rows deep into the stands. But it's, uh, you know, it is something that's important with the amount of pick and roll that gets run today. You need to be able to find those bigs at the rim, and he can do that. And, you know, and then every three, four games, he's going to score, you know, 15 to 20 points, and you're going to be like, all right, maybe this is it. And then you're reminded the next three, four games, no, that's not it. He, you know, still can't shoot. So, but he, he means so much to them. He's just one of those guys that really is tough to tough to quantify. And, again, if you watch the team day in and day out, you, you get that sense a lot more than you would otherwise with them. All right, what are your, Pete, we'll stay with you, what are your expectations for Jalen Brown in his going into his third year? Made a pretty big leap in his second year. What do you think he does as a third-year player? Um, well, more, uh, let me say this. One thing I want him to do is improve on the 64% free throw shooting. Um, I think that in the offense with Gordon Hayward being able to be that, that kind of secondary ball handler. I think now that puts Jalen Brown being able to be in the corner. If he gets the opportunity to shoot the three, he can shoot it. If guys play up on him, he has the obvious athleticism and speed to get, you know, by you and finish. But if he draws that contact, can he make those free throws to make it count? Um, I think he takes just a small leap. I, I question people that say like, Oh, well, Jalen Brown's going to average 18 points. Jason Tatum's going to average 18 points. Gordon Hayward's going to average 22. <laughs> yeah. Like, where where is all this going to come from? Yeah, they're going like, to average about 170 as a team. Yeah, and so I just I don't know that you're going to see a, a dramatic leap. I think maybe you know that 15 point range is where he's going to be. I don't think he has to be that go to necessarily score. Um, you know that he was you know in certain points of the game last year. I just want to see him also improve his ball handling as well. Yeah, you, you hit on the two things. It's the free throws and the ball handling. He won't be a 20-point-per-game guy because of just what we talked about. There's just there's too many other mouths to feed on this team. But if if he was in a position to be a 20-point-per-game guy, those are the two things that are keeping him from getting there. Uh, he leaves too many points at the free throw line, and then he doesn't he, – he's, he's too loose with the ball. Um, when he's you know Especially when he's driving with it, he, he either has to gather too far out and make a shot tougher on himself so he doesn't get it stripped from him off the bounce, or he takes, you know, two extra dribbles that, that are not necessary and then gets himself in too deep. So that's, you know, interesting. Con, you see the team a lot. What are your thoughts on Brown heading into his third year? Um, I think Brown needs to focus on being the best player off the catch um, that he can be in, like, because he has the athleticism. So either catch and shoot, catch and drive off the closeout and then kick as well so i think that's what he should be focusing on all summer because they have three guys who can be primary ball handlers and Kyrie hayward and we saw in tatum he he's probably a better ball handler and playmaker off the dribble than than brown 
Um, so as a fourth ball handler, you're not going to be leading the offense as much. Uh, so I think he needs to just focus on getting being the best at what he's going to be needing to do. And I don't know, you might not say that's a leap, but I think it can really help the team take a leap more than his numbers might. Um, and it, that's just such a luxury to have Brown be your fourth best offensive option if you even put him ahead of Horford. Um, and also, obviously, his defense, his athleticism and defense is going to be key for them. So I think he's going to be very important, even though he might not have the numbers. Um, and he still might get to 15 points. I mean, who knows? Uh, he's super talented. I, I'm really high on him. If he was my best young player going forward, I'd be pretty happy. But he's like the fourth guy for, for Boston. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it really is kind of kind of crazy. And part of the reason he's the fourth best guy is because the guy I want to talk about now is Jason Tatum, who is quite frankly better as a rookie than I think anybody thought he could be, except for maybe the Celtics, who, you know, they tell you they he would have been their guy at number one had they not made that trade with Philly. And I believe them. I think they were really like, we're, we're taking this kid, this kid we want. I think they've read where the league is going. You want all those guys between six foot six and six foot nine that can switch and do a lot of things on offense and defense, and that's what Tatum can do. So as we get into Jason Tatum now, kind of the same question is expectations. So I think I think both of you guys made really good good points on if you just – skip and don't watch all year and then just pull a basketball reference at the end of the year, you may think, oh, wow, these guys didn't take the step forward. But there's, again, there's just so many guys on this roster that have to have to do things. So um, and those, our next two questions are going to relate to that. Um, but with Tatum, Con, what are you expecting to see from him as a, as a second-year guy? Um, I think he's going to take a leap. Uh, he's working out with Kobe. We see all those <laughs> on, on Twitter. Um he just does he's just so good offensively already that I think he just needs to let the game come to him um, and not force things. Uh, I think they need to look to him more um, honestly because I think they went away from him a little bit uh, at some point in the game and I think with a whole like in game under, seven so, against the Cavs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like where he you know hit that huge three and had that big dunk on LeBron and then didn't touch the ball for the last six minutes. Like yeah, that? So, yeah. I think maybe? so. I think Tatum honestly can make the most of as many touches as you give him. I, I think this guy is is insanely good. Um, and if you look at the start of the season last year to the end of the season, he kept on improving. Improving. He hit a like minor rookie wall and then just bounced right back. Um, and I think after going through a full NBA offseason and doing all that, I think. I mean, this guy, he might be the best player on the team by the end of this year. I mean, I think that's not unrealistic. And easily by the third or fourth year, he'll get there, I think. Um, he's just too talented. His footwork is absurd. Yeah, no doubt. Pete, slight twist on the question. What's the one thing, if you could add to Tatum's game this summer, that you'd like to see him add? More engagement without the ball. Okay. Um, improvement, maybe crashing the glass. Obviously, he does a good job now, but I just a little bit you know, take another leap forward. Um, but yeah, more engagement without the ball. All right. Yeah. I like that. I think, um, I think that that'll come right. That's kind of hard for right. guys to learn how to play exactly. off ball, especially so many of these guys have been their primary, their team's primary guy for, you know, since some of them, since they've been 10 years old. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a little hard, but no, I, I like that. And I think this year that's going to be key. For him is, you know, I think, too, if he learns how to cut a little better, he can get a lot of those kind of garbage points where it's like, 
Ah, crap, Tatum backcut us for the third time this game. Yo, and they got to finish at the rim because he's obviously got the size. One thing he, he needs to be is stronger with the ball. When he goes to the basket, he gets stripped far too often and far too easily. So that's one of the things I'm looking for is for him to really hang on to the ball better as he gets in there. So so I want to move into a couple other questions because I think they're both tied together. So I'm going to ask them both together. Um, the, and we talked a lot about why Brown and Tatum's numbers might be down and all the depth this team has. So I'm going to ask these questions together. And, Pete, I'm going to start with you. Do you have any worries about reintegrating Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward? And to go along with that, is, is this team too deep? Uh, to answer the first part of your question, not really, as far as Hayward and, and Irving are concerned. Um, I mean, I think it might take a couple games just to feel out kind of where you know players are, you know, throughout the offense. But I think they'll get rolling pretty, pretty easily. Um, with the two deep, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You could say yes, uh, fairly easily. But I like to look at you know kind of across the board. If you're going to play. You know the big, you know big guys and and Irving and and Hayward and Tatum Brown say seventy games or so and, and rest them. You need Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, Daniel Tice. You know those guys coming off the bench. Marcus Smart. You've got to find minutes for Semi Ojale who who played well. Um, Brad Wanamaker is going to want minutes. You know making his leap to the NBA, not substantial minutes, but he's going to want to see you know a little bit of, of playing time there. And then you've got to figure out what you have in Yabaselli. You know, this can't be another, oh, he's another, he's a project for, for another year. Like, you can't keep putting that off because um, Williams is right there ready to take his minutes. So you've got to figure out what you have there. That doesn't mean you have to play them a ton of minutes in the NBA, but you still need to find looks against real NBA action versus just the G League. No, and that's definitely true is, you know, so it's, it's going to be hard because there's going to be guys who, this is going to be Brad Stevens' toughest coaching job, I believe, since he came in the league, strictly from a managing the roster and keeping guys in check and engaged. Because there may be guys who they might go two, three games without playing. Then they may be called upon to play 20 minutes. And that's that's that can be hard for a guy to do, you know, to stay fully prepared and engaged. Com, what about you? Do you do you have any thoughts of, like, they've just got too many guys or any worries that – how do they get Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, you know, kind of back in the flow when they played so well without the two of them? Um, one no to both because first of all, are they too deep? Is another way of asking: Could the general manager have done a better job? Like, is there any way <laughs> that the general manager can do a better job? No. You if every player fifteen one to fifteen plus two ways are solid NBA players, and your top five are all like star level players. There's literally not anything more you can do as a GM, honestly. So to me, the too deep question is more of a can the coach handle it uh, mm -hmm. situation. And you can't have a better coach than Brad Stevens for this. They all know. I think Brad empowers all of them saying, hey, look, you guys can all be the best player on a team. Right now we have all of you on one team. So just work together and be the best team out there and go for the championship. So I think he does a good job in getting people. And honestly, if you told me, if you took out the top five guys and just played Rozier, Smart, Morris, Yabuselli, and Baines, backed up by Wanamaker, Bird, Ojale, and Tice. Like, Brad Stevens, and maybe add Lemon, uh, Walt Lemon in there, Brad Stevens <laughs> could probably make that team like a 9-10 seed, maybe sneak into, <laughs> probably. like, especially in the regular season. So, 
Um, I think it's just, I think Brad Stevens will be able to handle it. It's not going to be a problem. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are, are, they know what this team can do. Kyrie's already been a part of it. Hayward's, Hayward sees how much, how talented this guy is. And he doesn't want to just jump in, be the best player on the team right away after this injury anyway. So he's going to be able to work in. I, I, I don't see any problem with this team. And, um, personally, I think they're going to be the best team in the East, even with Kawhi and Philly and all that. Yeah. You know, I think. There's this season's gonna go one or two ways. I think either they're gonna come back and they're just gonna not not necessarily push, but I think they're gonna gonna play everybody all the time and play a bunch of guys and they'll you know win you know somewhere in the mid sixties in games. And it's and it's funny, I think we look at it a lot of times the Warriors have made winning sixty games and the Spurs winning sixty games look so easy over the past, you know, five to ten years. They think people forget that that's pretty damn good. <laughs> to win 60 plus games and you know either they'll push or i think they're gonna say you know well just to keep everybody happy and everybody you know engaged on the team you know if we only win you know 55 you know 52 games or whatever it is that's fine it's not the end of the world we'll go i think it's gonna go one of two ways where either they push kind of harder than we think and they win a ton of games or they're just a really good team that says you know, hey, we just want to make sure we're ready to go for the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to go with that. Uh, two more questions here before we get to our closing question about if they're up, down, or neutral. But for this year, this is something Celtics fans are really worried about, almost to the point where I wonder if they're the one who has to write the, the, the check to the league for as a luxury tax team because it comes up all the time. How important is it for them to avoid the luxury tax this year, Con? I just I don't understand why this is a question that any fan is concerned about. Go ask, go talk to the owner. Like, is the owner willing to pay luxury tax? If the answer is yes, then there's no problem. Um, and Boston is a basketball town; they love winning. Like, I don't think it'll be too big of a problem. I mean, they'll probably go until they get to the repeater tax. I think that's when it really starts affecting teams, and the owners are like, okay, this is a lot of money. But we see with OKC, like they're willing to pay that because. I mean, they want to win. They have money. Um, I don't think it's a concern for fans to be like, oh, are they going to be in the tax or not? It's it's gotten to the point where since there is that number that a team goes over or not doesn't go over, people want to look at that. It's just, do you know the owner personally? Then go ask him. <laughs> or what, what has he said publicly? Like, that's the only thing that matters with the tax. Well, yeah, and the owners have been very clear that they'll pay the tax for the winner. They did it when they had Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, that team. They they paid the tax, and they said, you know, hey, that's part of it. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that they, you know, they're in Boston. It's about winning too. The thing I think that gets you know forgotten a little bit occasionally is the the Boston area. They have the Patriots and the Red Sox, who are both really really good. The Bruins, who are generally pretty good. If you're not compelling and interesting to people. They're going to lose interest in you really quick because they've got other stuff. You know, they've got, you know, the Patriots who are generally, you know, probably until Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are gone, they're going to play late into the seasons. You know, pretty much, you know, chance they're going to be competing for the Super Bowl. And then you have the Red Sox who are really good. And that's still, you know, Boston is a Red Sox town more than anything else. You know, so people love them when they come along. So that leaves you a little window where you got to capture people and really be, you know, make sure people are, you know, super interested because otherwise they're, you know, the, the kind of casual fans will go. Now there's Celtics have a hardcore fan base probably as much, if not more than any other, uh, you know, people around are, you know, in the uh, NBA world, but 
it is interesting to think about it and look at it, you know, from that standpoint. Pete, is it a concern for you at all with the luxury tax, or do you think they're just kind of like, hey, we're going to take it as it comes and figure it out? Uh, not a concern for me. You know, it's a it's a well, shame. Yeah, like you don't you said, have to pay the check, right? Yeah, it's a shame, like you said, the the Patriots couldn't win the Super Bowl this past year. Just man, um, Pete, you're off the podcast. <laughs> Done with you. <laughs> anyway, as everybody knows, I'm an Eagles fan, so I had to throw that out there, just a little trolling. Um, but anyway, um, as far as the the Celtics go, I think if the if the whole kind of grouping of Hayward, Irving, all that, if it falters early for some strange reason. I think then it becomes a worry, but I, I think they'll be just fine. I mean, you, you're going to pay for a winner, and I, I you know, spoiler alert, I, I have them as my favorite coming out of the East right now, even over my Sixers. So, you know, I think that's right where they're, they're they want to be and where they're going to be. Yeah. So one last thing on the tax too is this is not anything. The repeater tax comes up a lot, and people are like it's a lot worse and it's more you know punitive, and you can play you know end up paying double. It doesn't kick in until you've paid it for three years in a row or three of the last four years. So it's not like next year they're going to have this monster tax bill, you know, because of the repeater tax. They may because they may be resigning Al Horford and Kyrie Irving and Aaron Baines and other things may cause that, but it's not going to be because of the uh, repeater tax next year, not even the year after that. You know, it'll it'll come. You know, down the line further. All right, Pete, I'm going to go back to you because you kind of just said it. You, they're your favorites to come out of the East, and I think they're going to be a lot of people's favorites to come out of the East. But can they win the title this year? Can they they take down the Warriors or the Rockets or whoever you assume is coming out of the West? I mean, I don't think anybody's. If Golden State stays completely healthy, they get something out of Cousins coming off the Achilles. Nobody's going to be able to beat them. I mean, I have a hard time seeing it. Um, if anybody's going to take take out Golden State out of the East, then it would be um, Boston just because of the death that we talked about previous. But I don't see them winning the title. But Eastern Conference champions is, is you know, a far better, um, you know, ending for them. What about you, Con? Realistic. Con, do you think they can beat the Warriors? Um, I think if I had to pick a team to beat the Warriors, it would be them. Uh, one, Kyrie has shown that he can outplay Steph in in the finals. Um, Brown and Hayward and Tatum are about... Uh, Brown and Hayward, for sure, are two of the best guys that you could throw at Durant. Um, and then you got the other one on Clay. Horford uh, can definitely outperform Draymond. Um, and then you got Iggy, who, I mean, you have the other guy. You have Tatum or whoever you want to throw at Iggy. So they match up probably better than anyone um, in the league against the Warriors and yeah I think their their backups are probably better than the Warriors I, oh I forgot about Boogie uh so that 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 throws a wrench into everything that I'm saying right now Boogie <laughs> can be the, the the X factor there for sure um if he comes back and so if you look at last year's Warriors I think they definitely had a shot this year with Boogie it's it's a bit tougher but yeah I definitely think they can um and probably give them a 30 percent chance if they get there against the Warriors, so. Yeah, which is actually probably better than I think almost anybody would give anybody recently, right? Is um, there, I think a lot of people would look at it and say, you know, 30% chance if that's what it is, that's pretty good. You know, and it's, and I think this is a question of today, they probably can't beat the Warriors, right? But it's, are the Warriors going to stay as healthy as they've stayed 
you know, all the way through the year. They, they really haven't had that serious injury that's knocked them out when it matters most to one of their key guys. And you've, you're looking at a team now that's, even though they've kind of cruised through a couple of these regular seasons and these playoffs, they've still got a lot of miles on these guys. Making it four straight years is is pretty tough. So it's it is, I think, a very interesting question to look at and see, you know, where do you land? Can you do this? Can you take can you take that team out? And I think what the Celtics would be looking forward to is let's just give us a chance. Just just let us get there and then we'll figure it out from there. So all right, so we're gonna close it with up, down, or neutral. Con, I'm gonna go to you. Are the Celtics up, down, or neutral to where they were a year ago? Well they now have Hayward and all their best like their two young guys are super young, so internal improvement. I think they're they're definitely up for sure. What about you, Pete? Same up, just based on getting Hayward back healthy. Yeah, you know, Hayward and Irving coming back is huge. Now we know Tatum and Brown are both really good. They retained Marcus Smart, brought back Aaron Baines. I think this is a team that is built more than just about any to play any style. They, they can play that rugged bully ball, slow it down and beat guys up. They can get out and run and play small and do all that stuff. So I think that they are up. You know, I don't – that doesn't necessarily mean I think that they're going to win more games than last year or a lot more games than last year because I think roster management is going to be key. But it is really interesting to see where the Celtics land and ultimately what kind of team they are. You know, as we uh, go down the line here, I think, you know, they're they're – Arguably the most interesting team in the NBA just because it's going to be a, a really uh, thought experiment of how do you play when you have 10, 11, 12 guys who really need to play? You know, how do you make this work? So that's going to be a uh, challenge for Brad Stevens. But I think if Khan said it before, I think it's Stevens and a couple other guys are the guys you would want taken on that challenge as you get into it. So that's going to close us out on the Boston Celtics. It was kind of a quiet summer, but very high expectations for this team as we go. Con, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and uh, what else you got going on. Yeah, I'm at Con B-A, so K-A-A-N-B-A underscore M-T-D. And uh, you can follow my podcast um, at the Benchmob NBA. Uh, we talk about free agency. We do a lot of mock free agency and mock trade stuff. So uh, go check us out there. Good stuff, Pete. What about you? You can find me on Twitter at Pete Toll NBA, P E T E T O A L NBA. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. If you're listening to this, you probably already know where to find me. Uh, beyond that, we are going to uh, continue to come at you. The next team up we're going to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets as we get into their offseason. A lot of changes coming for Brooklyn this year, and they're starting to maybe push this thing forward a little bit. So excited to get into that one as we go. So they will be next up. Look for that one to come out uh, fairly soon here. Beyond that, thanks for listening to us. This has been the NBA Front Off Show. We're part of the Almighty Power Network. We will talk to you next time. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the... Doc! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, oh, f-
many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.